0: Mike, Mike, and Huffman. <laughs>
1: We're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co host, Mike One. Co host
0: also, Mike, is here as well. No New York Film Festival to touch on in this episode, I don't think, right, Mike? No, next episode, well, th- maybe two episodes from now, I'm going to wrap right. it up. I don't know which I'm going to do first because you're going to go away mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on a fun vacation, I think.
1: <laughs> right? I'm leaving for sure. You're leaving for <laughs> sure. And I,
0: I hope you have a good time, but I guess that de- all depends on whether or not you're successful.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going going to the land of vices, so we'll
0: see what happens. So we'll see uh, we'll see if it's a successful vacation or not, uh, based on your state when you come back. And uh, (laughs) I have no idea what to make of that. But but look at man, this is like a roller coaster episode. This has been like a roller coaster week. Uh, This is gonna be a, a roller coaster programming. Like I'm watching all these messed up horror movies after all these, you know these international darlings that i saw at the new york film festival you're right and now you are making me watch all these yucky disgusting horror movies it's your blame me you're an adult you're in charge
1: of your own decisions no no
0: no i am obviously an impressionable person if you were a cult leader i would be a cult follower i probably am um no, it's your, my well-being is in your hands, and this mm-hmm. is where you steered me, including this uh, Veruca Salt stuff. This is this is your fault as well. I stand by all of this, by the way. I don't care that we were wrong. <laughs> we're idiots. <so. laughs> no, this is 100% uh, the both of us being idiots because Violet Beauregard, not Veruca Salt, was the girl who ballooned up. As the blueberry and Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Yeah, Veruca Salt
1: was the one who was "I want it now, Daddy, I want it now."
0: Yes, and then Feruza Balk, not Veruca Salt, was the actress from The Craft. Why am I bringing this up? Because the beginning of the last episode, New York Film Festival Part Two, you and I just went on this. I mean, we were so proud of ourselves being right too. Like a like a (laughs) horror movie, like a horror movie, we went down this path. And we just immediately assumed we were correct, and we were hilariously wrong on both counts. I take issue. I don't care. I mean, for, I, I, I thought, I knew her.
1: the actress's name wasn't Farouk Assault. I thought the character she played in The Craft was Farouk Assault, and it
0: is not close. <laughs> no, it's not close. Nancy Downs is who Farouza Balk plays. We were smug. We were smug. We thought we were right. We were so proud of ourselves, like you said. No, we're fools. Mm-hmm. In this instance. Every other time of the year, we're, we're exactly right, I think. <laughs> it gets closer to Oscar Sunday, the more wrong we become. Okay. No, We've that, said there that numerous is. times. All right. So we're yeah, we're already past our expiration date, I guess. But here's the here's the good news. Again, this is a roller coaster of, of sorts. I listened to Veruca Salt, the band, for an hour yesterday. Seether, oh. Volcano Girls, from the Jawbreaker soundtrack. And then a ton of other songs that I hadn't listened to since I was a kid. And I absolutely loved that hour. That was, like, the best part of my day yesterday. Oh, good. Well, see, so you made up for it. I made up for it, yeah, because you made me watch yucky horror movies at night. Uh-huh. Uh, I watched it's all these trailers. of what happened, yeah. We got all these Oscar trailers that are going to be up and down. And, by the way, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but you allowed me, I'm blaming you, okay. you allowed me to jinx this strike resolution. And, and SAG-AFTRA did anything but... Uh, fall into a position where they could negotiate the finale and the ending of this strike because the AMPTP walked away and ultimately, like, we did not cover ourselves with a reverse jinx, did we? Yeah, I it's don't our like fault. being wrong
1: so much. Yeah, this is. I, I need to blame other people on this, so I'm glad you're taking credit for this one. Because I, I I like you I thought this was near the, the the goal line here and it is not the case the AMPTP did walk away there there's no more negotiations scheduled and they broke off the current negotiations with SAG after after being so close and even the head of Universal they're coming out and saying we're going to stick this out until there's a resolution and uh
0: nope it sucks because it looked like they were on the one yard line they were all you know we had all the same signals from the WGA strike didn't we even to the point where we had that joint statement come out. Very similar pattern.
1: That's The joint statement was to me one of the big underlying things was like, okay, so this is almost done. They're not going to be coming together on a statement to be like, you know, hold the line and, you know, don't don't rock the boat for the next few days while we have negotiations if they weren't near the end zone here. And the way Fran Drescher tells it is, or at least to the AP, was that uh, the SAG after came in with a counter offer. They walked the AMPTP through the counter offer step by step. The A.M.P.T.P. said, "Okay, we're going to take a minute to think about it." They walked away, and then they got calls a little bit later that says they're ending negotiations, and there will be none
0: going forward. Yeah, so it's just belligerence, and the the fallout has not been good. The fallout has been Fran Drescher and SAG, you know, fighting words from their side, and the A.M.P.T.P. mostly silent until now, but they released a statement basically. Saying, you know, saying that the this deal would cost more than... Or one part of the deal would cost more than $800 million per year. Basically, they're digging in again, correct? I mean, we don't have to read these statements. I don't know if you want to, but... Yeah, it, no, I mean, they're... It's, ta- it's a weird move
1: news. to look for sympathy in that way if you're a billion-dollar studio conglomerate coming together whose sole purpose of coming together is to keep money away from unions. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care that they're asking for eight hundred million dollars. Good, that's <laughs> one Marvel movie. <laughs> you're 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 the biggest legacy studios in the world. You have billions upon billions. David Zasloff's getting hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Pay these people.
0: I don't disagree, but they're uh, they're digging in. Like I said, and it's it's not going to end anytime. There Jim, was like, some
1: survey. I forget who ran it, but Jim Jim Kramer. And all his infinite wisdom was on. I think it was CNBC or Fox Business, probably Fox Business. But anyway, uh, he was on one of these uh, analyst shows talking about this survey that was given out as to who the public supports in the uh, auto worker strike, whether it was the UAW versus the uh, the car companies themselves. Mm-hmm. And it was something like ninety one to nine percent the public supported the auto workers and the unions. Like companies in the, right now in this current climate are done for. There is no public support out there for the people, the haves, and the people with the money.
0: I understand that. At the same time, how bad does is business? How how much does that matter? Like everybody could take a stance in terms of the public opinion, but what does public opinion matter right. when Barbenheimer made two you know, three billion dollars, and now we're about to watch Taylor Swift make, you know. What studio is that? Another $800 million, Another billion? Mm-hmm. And theaters mm-hmm. are going to make out? So, yeah, I mean, the box office was bad in September and the early portion of October here, but it's about to pick up again with these other films. So what does that mean? for, for I mean, these studios are sticking it out, no problem. Well, for now. I mean, at some point, they're going to run out of stuff that's in the tin. Well, that's my worry, is that they're so such... Fools in their own right, and their egos are out of control here. And and maybe maybe the the reactions to how well the writers did, by the media, except you know etc. Maybe they're butthurt about that. You know, uh, TFB
1: <laughs> like Crimea River. You're still the cat. I like. I get it. And I think I do think there is good in negotiations when uh, by having the public on your side versus being against the public and i do think that wears on people and i mean it's not like the ceos at least what we know about them the the actual people that are at the bargaining table for the on behalf of the studios are the um most hardened of egos right they have fragile egos right no question i don't think they like being looked at like bob Iger laps up the, the praise of the, the hero, the homecoming hero. Yes. Right? I don't think he likes the idea of being portrayed as the sinister Bond villain sitting in the mountains of Idaho during the billionaire retreat, talking about how he's stepping on the little guy's
0: neck. Of course. And He so, was going to run for office, wasn't he? I mean, wasn't that a rumor? There were, there's always been rumors about that, yeah, for like the last eight years or so. But
1: yeah, I mean, like that's a those are real things that have real impacts on these people's lives. So, like, does it affect the bottom dollar right away? No, absolutely not. Will it affect the bottom dollar in the long term? Yeah, probably. And if it affects the uh, more than the bottom dollar and more than revenue and more than sh- uh, more than CEC suite people, if it affects the shareholders' money, then we're going to
0: start seeing something change rapidly. I, and I, I think we're dis- getting close to that point. I don't disagree with that. However, I could just see the AMPTP looking for some wins. And they like they're not going to want to come out having caved on everything with Sag after after that's the that's the look they got. Which is after what, the why WGA. I thought
1: all along that they would settle with Sag first. Hmm. I thought SAG would be the easier negotiation because execs like schmoozing with famous actors. So I would think they'd want the famous actor to give the actors, they'd be more ready to give the actors more wins than they would the WGA. Uh So, like, if they're embarrassed that they gave the WGA too many wins, again, cry me a river. Like, that's bad negotiating
0: on your part. Yeah. I'm worried now. I'm worried that this is going to go even further. It's, it's... I think SAG's got
1: work to do too on their end. By the way, like the WGA felt like was more comprehensive in what their in in their transparency to the public as far as like what their asks are and what mm-hmm. is, the, giving this these sheets and these comprehensive PDFs of like exactly what they're asking for, exactly what the dollar amounts are. Like they did a better job of being transparent with the public, and I think that's what enabled them and being out there in the public eye. I mean, Adam Conover was everywhere, yeah, and I think that's what enabled the public support to rally behind them as much as it has and yes they also had like coincidental strikes that they have no control over happening at the same time which i mean the sag doesn't necessarily have yes they have the auto workers strike that's still going on but that didn't start just now that's neither here nor there i i do think the sag after could do a better job of being more public and being more transparent i think fran drescher is trying to her credit but i think there's more that could be done
0: yeah, what a mess. It's, it's a mess, and it gets even worse because the situation in Israel is now affecting picket lines. They're canceling picket lines today because of that. The Academy canceled a
1: couple events too because of uh, what's going on overseas there internationally, Yeah, what which is night- just a mess.
0: Nightmare. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. I, I, think, uh, I think we could be in for another couple of weeks at the very least, right? Uh, at the minimum now, right? I mean, if they walked away, anything could
1: happen. I guess they could about, the AMPTP could about face at any moment, but it seems not good. I was very surprised to see that they just threw their hands up and walked away, which means that SAG must be asking for something that the AMPTP is like, I have a feeling it has to do with AI too, but that's a total guess. I have nothing to go on with that. But I know SAG tried working in this big, comprehensive, all-inclusive AI thing about uh, image and likeness, well, there was their, a story
0: uh, this ass. weekend about the gladiator set. Everybody getting scanned, kind of hurt. All the extras oh, herded God. into a area, and everybody was scanned, and they really couldn't fight against it if they wanted to keep their. It was a yeah, it was a lousy story, or scary story. So it's, it's, yeah, all this stuff is happening. People are being pressured. It's not good. Yeah, oh, boy. So. Taylor Swift to move into a <laughs> what a segue a, again a, a roller coaster of a of an episode a roller coaster of a week for us Taylor Swift the Eras tour tracking for one hundred fifty to two hundred million worldwide we'll we'll make a little prop bet on that good job by
1: you you've been uh, you've been on top of that you've been saying that's going to be the number for a while
0: and yet we have a surprise Thursday night preview that came in very flat at two point eight million and I'm confused on what the heck they're doing. Because, why would you surprise all your fans? Did they think that it was going to be like a cool, uh, a cool thing to do? And just hey, oh, oh surprise! That we're actually, sh- you know, we're sh- we're showing the film a night early. Everybody bought their tickets for the weekend. Here's all I know about this. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: a couple videos came up on my for you page on TikTok about people in the theater watching this these movies. Uh, one like Taylor surprised the guests and showed up in person to welcome them and thank them for seeing the the movie, which was a huge boon. Another one was like the the movie theater turned into a mini concert where everyone just rushed to the front and like were jumping around and screaming the songs in unison with Taylor as she was singing them on screen. And if that's going to be a thing that happens at movie theaters, uh, one, don't go see any other movie because you're not going to hear it.
0: (laughs) I did. I did see a movie last night, and all I could hear was just rocking, coming from others.
1: So, like, that's a real thing, and if they, if they turn this concert movie into, like, a mini-concert, I think that's only going to draw in more people anyway. So I don't know that I would necessarily be concerned with that Thursday number as much as I would if it happened on, like, say, any other cinematic offering.
0: Right. So I I was, like, unnerved by how few people were at the movie theaters last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a decent crowd of just single men Single creepy men, myself including, <laughs> watching when evil lurks—that I'll talk about later. But like, yeah, all I could hear was the the music from the other theater next you to me. You belong with me. The song I, is getting decapitated. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't like it wasn't like a crowded night at the movies. Like it, this was a me- schmedium night at the movies, which was uh, this is unfair. But I also wonder how many of those kids ca- like.
1: You know how many parents want to take their kids to see a Taylor Swift movie on a Thursday night? That's more of a Saturday
0: during the day type thing. So maybe you know.
1: So, the, but they bungled. The but
0: they bungled the opening, and it, and it's silly because AMC Theaters is and Cinemark they are the distributors here. Yeah, so this is like this vertical integration thing happening. Like, there's no big studio behind this actually, that I that I can tell. It's very weird, <laughs> like the Taylor Swift are not Productions. Happy about that. Taylor Swift Productions 10 to 20 million. This is why the trades didn't get wind of it as soon as they as soon as they usually do. Taylor Swift Productions, AMC and Cinemark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, you know what? I don't necessarily disagree with the theaters here. I don't necessarily disagree with AMC and Cinemark. Why not? Why why shouldn't they? You know? Why shouldn't, why shouldn't they, they what just do this on their own? Do this on their own. It's a 10 to 20 million dollar budget. Yeah. Let them I mean, cut a deal.
1: Sure, except for my understanding, this started on Taylor's side more than it started on the theater's side. I well, thought Taylor and her camp came to AMC and was like, hey, do you want this? We're just going to sidestep the studios here.
0: Hell yes, they want yeah, this. So, I mean, that's yeah, that's an easy, like, absolutely. Thank you, Gold. Sam you know? Wrench <laughs> is a director. He's done Lizzo and Brandy Charlie concert films, he's directed two Billie Eilish concert films. So, yeah, I mean, it's you got this experienced director who just got all the cameras they'd made, you know, they, they, they executed it, edited it. Hey, man. Yeah, she's a badass. I think the projections are probably going to come in higher. Again, we're talking worldwide projections here because that's what AMC has tracked, by the way, in terms of sales. I mean, that's going to be a domestic lean, I'm guessing. But so... I, I would guess it would go towards the 200 number, but let's see what, what you think here. I'll, I'll put some odds on it. Under 175, I'll give you plus 500. All right, I'm not going near that 150 number because, again, I, th- I think this is going to go towards 200, but maybe you huh. maybe you don't. Uh, over 200 million, I'll give you a minus 110. Under 200 million, a plus 150. And over 250, a plus 1,000. So really, if you want to make money... You're gonna bet under 175 for plus one plus 500 or over 250 for plus 1,000. What do you so think? So this, this is, is worldwide. Yeah, and this is only three days now, and because that 2.8 doesn't do anything for you, doesn't gonna help you. Yeah. So we're looking at 100 million plus in worldwide pre-sales. So I mean it, that uh, that under 175, if you're a true, if you're a true bear, yeah,
1: not. Not uh, no, because I think that's going to do like one thirty minimum stateside.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So are, I'm trying to talk myself into under two hundred million, but I don't think I can.
0: yeah'll I uh, give me I'll do a hundred dollars on under two hundred million. So that's a plus one fifty. So you get a yeah. little bit of a boost. So yeah. you're going to go win one fifty. Hundred bucks wins is one fifty. So you went one hundred. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would do. I don't know what I would do. I I would probably go over two hundred million, under two fifty. But what am I making? So I, I would, you know, if I if I go, I gotta I gotta bet two hundred fake dollars to make any money on that. No, I mean you could bet for what over two hundred. Over two hundred at minus one ten.
1: Yeah, you bet a hundred and ten dollars when a hundred. That's not bad. That's pretty much even odds that you get for a uh, any spread on a football game. All right. I think you're over 250 odds are too high. Okay. I, mean, I'm a, I think I'm a there is outs. a world in which that breaks 250, right? Oh, yeah. With the global name that Taylor Swift brings? I think absolutely.
0: If it does better internationally, or if it does even close to what the domestic number is, yeah. I don't know what an international star she is or not. That's oh, what she's I'm she's I think she's a – quite the international star i'm gonna basically ask our next guest to tell me about taylor swift <laughs> <laughs> are you have is your next
1: guest a 12 year old girl <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: no <laughs> they might go host ruby mean. my niece <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh the industry news continues, and I don't know if this is a good or a bad story. I'm very interested about what you think about the Halloween rights ultimately selling to Miramax instead of A twenty four. And I retweeted something yesterday and I prepared this story today as if you A24 weren't the only won. one. Everybody got everybody was on
1: the A twenty four. I don't know what the hell happened. I wasn't online when this broke, but Jimmy Champagne, I saw, had made a whole video about A24. Uh, We watched a movie, made a whole video about A24. Critical Overlord. You like
0: them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Critical Overlord. Everybody's first impression was that A24 won, and then, like, a couple hours later, it reversed course, and, like, nope, Miramax actually beat out A24 and now has the rights to Halloween, and it's a wide-ranging deal in which they're trying to encompass both TV and film. And I guess when the A24 one story broke, It was all about Michael Myers, and I've seen a much more reserved kind of playing it closer to the vest telling about what exactly Miramax has in store for uh, these rights. So I don't know if they're going to go back to the Halloween 3 idea with a TV series. I don't know if Michael Myers is still in the cards. If they're going to do a TV series leading into a movie, I would think Michael Myers probably has to play a role in those. Mm -hmm. But I still don't want to see Michael Myers on TV. That all said, I'm kind of happy that A24 didn't get the rights. I mean, A24 would have done a magnificent job with blowing out Halloween 3, but I don't know that I want A24 to make a Michael Myers movie. a 24 has made some really
0: great horror films. They've made great horror that has religious undertones. Ari Aster's hereditary... Midsummer. It's a religion movie. Bows afraid. Midsummer's
1: a religion movie. Bose Afraid's not a religion movie, but it's a, a mental mm-hmm. What it, the type the type of pressure that one has when in a religion. <laughs> right. Uh talk to me the most recent A twenty four horror hit. Yeah. It's a lot of supernatural, spiritual, which I mean you could it, it, Halloween obviously easily goes in that direction with Michael Myers, but that's that's not what I want my Michael Myers to be he's supposed to be a human embodiment of evil that just can't be killed
0: he he's, is the, he's the boogeyman without being the boogeyman so do you want them to go more in the Rob zombie direction where I would take a prequel
1: okay. about like then what happened the night Michael killed his sister and le- leading up to that and like
0: more about the Myers but I don't want Rob zombie to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want the legacy sequel, to Halloween Four? Do you want the Thorn trilogy? Do you want the Season of the Witch remake, or are you more of the mind say, Hey, whatever you do, do it well. I'm in, because that's yeah, kind of. I mean, I'm
1: ultimately, at. that's definitely where I land. But like, I have my wish list. Like, why not have a sequel bringing back Danielle Harris to play her role from Halloween Four and Five, all grown up? If we are, if we just did the trilogy with Jamie Lee Curtis being brought back, why not bring back Danielle Harris for a movie? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I know she was interested. She's talked many times about wanting to to reprise that role. Why not, uh, if we're going to do a TV series, I don't want Michael Myers on TV, but I think Halloween 3 offers you all kinds of, or just turn it back, turn Halloween back into an anthology, which is what John Carpenter was hoping it would be originally anyway. Wow. Like, if you're going to stick on TV. But, yeah, ultimately, I don't care what you do. Just be respectful and do it well. Don't have Halloween the TV series become Scream the TV series. Okay,
0: Yeah. So this is something that's probably going to wind up on Paramount Plus, or, or do you disagree with that? Showtime, Paramount. Plus? I don't know. I, I would hope Showtime. I mean, Paramount. If anything, it's going straight to Paramount Plus. That that kind of worries me. Miramax is owned, not owned, but they fall under the development wing of Paramount. They are forty forty nine percent owned by Paramount. However, I guess that. Leaves them some leeway to where they can make a decision because they have fifty-one percent ownership stake to where they could do something else with it. Anyway, internationally, they could do whatever.
1: I guess putting you know, it on Paramount whatever. Plus would help with uh, subscriber numbers.
0: Th- this seems like a Paramount Plus Showtime yeah move because they you know they just did very well. I think for Peacock, correct? Who did very well for Peacock? The, the the Universal the Halloween, tr- Halloween trilogy, trilogy. Yeah, I think. did very well for Peacock. Yeah. It did fine for Universal in terms of the money it made, based on the budgets. I think maybe maybe they're a little disappointed by the last film, but still, it was di- are you I mean, not
1: interested in a in a Myers prequel type series,
0: like a Bates Motel type thing? I don't love that because I don't like silly serial killer origin stories. I don't. I did not like the Rob Zombie handling. Of that, that was excruciating yeah. to watch. The worst yeah. part of those films. I agree. It is tough. It is a tough tightrope. But I'll, I mean, as a glimpse in in a John Carpenter movie, it's terrifying. But what about a family
1: drama where just weird shit keeps happening with the youngest kid through his ages? Because he doesn't kill his sister till he's six, I think. So, like, you could have a five year television series of t-
0: family drama called The Myers. That has to be handled so well,
1: dude. I don't know. I don't know.
0: And then which route do you go? Is who is Laurie Strode in that? It could be anyone. I mean I mean, you don't have to tell the story of Lori
1: Strode. I don't want to tell the story of Well Laurie that's Strode
0: what yet. I question. Does Lori
1: Strode's been told. Is Laurie like, Strode at all? You could have like a kid Laurie Strode in the house, you know. I mean, is I Halloween
0: two canon house. or not?
1: Yeah. You'd have to make some decisions. I'm very interested to see what the show is, who the showrunner they pick is, what relationship that showrunner has to horror series, Mm -hmm. what direction they go in. There's a lot of unanswered questions, but Miramax is now the one that's
0: going to be able to to answer them, so we'll see what happens. Yes, I I think it's something we shall follow going forward. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have a bunch of Oscar trailers before some reviews uh, to finish this one out. A big trailer for you, Michael, The Iron Claw. A twenty-four. I believe we're stoked for this one. This is coming out December twenty-second. We've previewed the true story of the inseparable Von Erich brothers before. Uh, they've been a huge name in nineteen-eighties wrestling. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is written and directed by Sean Durkin, good director of The Nest, The Rental, Marcy or Martha, Martha ooh, Martha, yeah. Marcy May Marlene. Say that five times fast. Zac Efron of Extremely Wicked. Neighbors, Jeremy Allen White of the Bear and Shameless, Harris Dickinson, Triangle of Sadness and Crawdad, Where the *Crawdad* Sing, Lily James, Cinderella Mamma Mia 2, Baby Driver, and Maura Tierney. Where's Maura Tierney been? The Affair, ER, Holt McElhaney of Mindhunter, and some wrestlers, I'm sure. Chavo Guerrero Jr. was the name I recognized. Michael, we talked about these sleeping giants and the potential oscar race the color purple napoleon freud's last session in the last episode do you view the iron claw as a potential oscar film oscar nominated film do you think it's going to be to that level or do you think this is just going to be a rad wrestling movie it's a 24 with a christmas
1: release in theaters right mm-hmm. doesn't that give you the idea that they think it's an awards
0: player i'm not sure i i think they're
1: I mean, it's not going to be money. a family
0: fun movie, I don't no, think. No, but they're trying to make money. They're trying, you know, you're going for some counter-programming, I'm guessing. It's a wrestling I don't film. know.
1: I Like, I don't think this is going to be a huge Oscars player if it does, but, you know, there's, like, hair and makeup. They actually made them look pretty resembling the the real Von Erich family from the 80s. Mm-hmm. The guys all look great. Uh, there's some production design stuff that could be talked about that I could see. Maybe we get a performer breakthrough, uh, maybe it's Zach Efron who I, who's got to be the lead in this, based on the uh, who every character is and which Von Eric member every character is playing.
0: So we see meatheads screaming. We see Jeremy Allen White screaming. I don't like screaming in my Oscar films. It bothers me. <laughs> it's a pet peeve. Yes, it's a primal the primal scream in an awards grabby movie bothers me. However, when it's done by meatheads, I get it because I you know I work with.
1: <laughs> That's okay, because that looks
0: real. <laughs> I get that it happens all the time. A kid, misses... I approve of that scream. A kid misses a tackle or it succeeds lifting a weight in the weight room. They do that all the time.
1: God, and you dare to ask whether we're film bros? Last episode,
0: <laughs> we. I don't like Oscar screams. but if it's done by a big, no, no, juiced we've... up, naked man? <laughs> we've gone over this before. We are, we are adjacent to film brodom. So the film bros can hang with us. We can hang with them. We can speak to them. But I I, I watch every French movie that's up for an Oscar. I watch all the international films. There were no screams in those? There's no primal screams in those.
1: I'm sure there were a lot of primal screams in the Von Erich world. Yeah. Because it is a tragedy what's happened to this family. And it is a well-known actual curse in the wrestling world. Wow. It is quite sad. And I imagine... A majority of this movie is going to be about the relationship with the father the patriarch of the family who mm-hmm. kind of had pardon the pun but like an iron grip on everyone and maybe exploited and manipulated his, his sons to not only get money out of them but like have them be reliant on him in some ways if you believe some stuff that's out there about him. I also imagine we're going to get a big telling about what the tragedy that befell the character of Carrie uh, Von Erich, who is Jeremy Allen White's character in this, which is an incredibly sad story because he arguably reached the highest highs of any Von Erich uh, family member to the point where he uh, took. But the family took wrestling so seriously, he actually ended up in an accident where he had to have his foot amputated and refused to tell anyone about it. And nobody knew about it. Like the industry didn't know about it until afterwards.
0: Wow. He
1: would like go into the shower with his boots on because he didn't want anyone to know he had a fake foot.
0: That's incredible.
1: Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's crazy stuff, and there's all sorts of directions in which this can go, but it's all tr- it's very, very... The underlying theme is tragedy and very tragic. Or right, I suppose overcoming tragedy and, like, persevering in the face okay. of it but there is ton of tragedy to persevere and overcome but this is a um, heavy christmas counter program yeah, i don't think this is like going to be a family friendly no i mean the, the end of it will be because again it's about overcoming and being there for your family and the brotherhood and all that but it's not like something i don't think you're
0: going to feel like great about the entire time through will the wrestling community show up for this the wrestling audience do you think because we have not seen... I think so. I mean, look, the
1: the, ba- the biggest thing this has going for it, for the wrestling audience to show up, is that MJF, Mac- Maxwell Jacob Friedman, uh, is who is currently the AEW world
0: champion, plays a role in this. He's okay. in the cast. Okay. Because we have not seen a wrestling movie hit, have we? I mean, The Wrestler is the closest to it, but The yeah, King of Butter probably Falcon the closest, yeah. didn't do big box office fighting with my family the rock produced it that was a wwe like production florence Pugh, but that didn't do anything cassandro nacho libre ready to rumble no holds barred those are the wrestling movies mike that's what you got up to this point none of them have been big hits have they you didn't uh, No holds barred it's great that you put that in there wwe Um, studios has made like horror films or action films and those have been what they've been able to make money on but not right. wrestling movies right yeah uh we're due it's certainly i mean it's it's
1: i think the best thing this has going for it is that's not being handled by like a quote-unquote wrestling company
0: okay so like you might be able to get most of the drama out of it does and does the wrestling organizations ultimately endorse this film or no 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 okay. <laughs> no i don't think so okay.
1: because the way in which the territories were run in the eighties is so antithetical to what the WWE wants pro wrestling to be perceived as nowadays and corporately cleaned up and all that
0: stuff. All right. So I'll ask you another prop bet here. What are the Oscar? What's an Oscar noms over under? Is this half a nom, you know, like a costume design, sound design, makeup and hair design, production designs too loaded. We've been over that. Mm Mm-hmm. Are we forced to look are we forced to look at a Zach Ephron rise without a film festival lead in right because I don't think That's what
1: worries me is that if this if they were taking this seriously as a
0: as an awards threat wouldn't they play this already I'm not sure if it's playing AFI I didn't see it so we're looking at we're looking at this movie just being released as a late breaker a true late breaker like a well Freud's last session's going AFI so we're going to get mm-hmm. some kind of short ramp up for forage last session so this is the true late breaker of the season in terms of oscars potential so does a screenplay director picture do we get have to get acting buds from a jeremy allen white or zach efron for this to to have some coattails for a costume design nomination costume design
1: could be a sneaky play because i mean rick flair's in this and the character anyway um, somebody's playing Ric Flair and th- there are makeup and hair and costume design is where I would land because there's there's going to be plenty of runway in which you have to make it look real enough to wrestling fans to look like the counterparts in real life and you know that involves a lot of gaudy costumes and a lot of like rugged looks and stuff like that so Point is probably good I I'll play it conservative and say under for now even though I really want this to be taken I mean this felt like an oscar trailer
0: mm-hmm except for the fact that it's a wrestling movie. So if you're putting, I'll, I'll put you in, you're putting odds on this 0. 0.5. What, what, what odds would you offer? If you're the house, and you're trying to make money 0. 0.5. Are you given, are you given that plus over 0. 0.5 plus 300?
1: To step on your no, toes. That's there? too
0: much. That's too
1: much. My instinct is to treat it like a coin flip, even and odds. The coin, well, not even even. The coin flip was just minus
0: one ten on both sides. Okay. So what? Where would you put you? And you would go under. I, uh, yeah, just because I don't want to get my hopes up. This is going to be
1: something that's very easy to get my <laughs> hopes
0: up about. Okay. <laughs> so I'm trying to stay rational for now. Wow, we we were dancing around the ring here, like a couple <laughs> wrestling promoters, not knowing if we should jump in. We got a steel chair. Yeah, I'm excited to see this. I
1: I hope it. I mean, there's a. I've said since the inception of this movie, there's a lot here that lends itself well to the
0: cinematic world. Okay, good. All right. Well, here's a terrible transition, but this is probably the second biggest, <laughs> second biggest trailer of the week. We have Wonka from WB. This also comes out in mid December. There, kind of mid to late December on the fifteenth. This will be playing over Christmas. Timothy Chalamet is Willy Wonka. Hugh Grant is the Oompa Loompa. Olivia Coleman, Sally Hawkins, Mike and Keegan Michael Key, Rowan Atkinson, Jim Carter, Matt Lucas, Kayla Lane. These are the Paddington filmmakers, Mike Paul King and Simon Farn- Farnaby, adapting Ronald Dowell. Here's I'm mad at myself. Here's the thing. Yeah, I, so. I laughed five times during this trailer. I didn't hear because I listened to you watch it. I didn't hear you laughing as many times, but I'm an ashamed. I'm ashamed of myself for laughing so many times. At this, I'm trailer.
1: annoyed at myself at how I'm being won over by Hugh Grant. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm really. That's really like Oompa Granta is really starting to bug me at how much I, I want to see him <laughs> do things.
0: I love everything Keegan Michael Key is doing in both trailers. This is trailer two, and he's like, "You're going to get more." <laughs> Been a bonk on the You're head. Just a bonk on the head. What are you talking about? I Uh I I love the the Hugh Grant stuff at the end. I usually don't like those dry, you know, here's we're gonna give you a joke to send you out. After the inspirational middle of the trailer. Like, the structure of this trailer is so manipulative, it bothers me. (laughs) Timothy Chalamet's face when they're going through the inspirational middle middle bothers me. And yet, he is making me laugh at the beginning after doing the tongue twister of one of his inventions. Please don't make me say that again. That's very funny. Very charming. (laughs) The... Yeah, I'm
1: annoyed. <laughs> the costume design <laughs> also speaks to like something that could, I could very easily see, having a role in the Oscars, mm-hmm. the FX possibly as well. The idea of a chocolate cartel is winning me over, <laughs> even though it's the most absurd. <laughs> like I, I'm very angry with myself at how interested I'm turning out to be to see this. Well, I
0: liked the creepy... Uh, I don't know what instrument that is. I want to say xylophone. The xylophone... You know... Uh, Oompa-Loompa song to open the trailer, and then you get mm-hmm. Hugh Grant doing it at the end of the trailer. And I love the big orchestra, of Pure Imagination. I can't, I'm a sucker for that.
1: Yeah. Are we gonna get a dark scene in this? Like, is it gonna hit
0: all the same beats as the first Willy Wonka movie? Or are we gonna get like the Tunnel of Terrors equivalent? Here's what I think is gonna happen. We're gonna be hoping for that. We're gonna be hoping for the edge. We're not gonna get that edginess. And this is going to be more of a kid's movie play. Hugh
1: Grant's going to explain it away in a one-off joke.
0: And, and we're going to go and see this
1: and be disappointed. His fucking British schmarm is going, well, you're expecting a tunnel of terror.
0: <laughs> Shut up, Oompa Loompa Grant, you adorable being who i die for. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Now, we're, we're, we're going on a roller coaster with the Willy Wonka franchise. Mm-hmm as two adult men ourselves. <laughs> all right, speaking of uh, two adult men being clueless, uh, how to have sex has a new trailer. This is going to be movie. <laughs> Just really dig- digging in here. Uh Molly Manning Walker is making a movie about young women navigating you know the uh the world. And now all these actors are 25 26. Mia McKenna Bruce, I, I looked them up. She was great in Persuasion, by the way. I loved her there. Sean Thomas, Laura Peak. they have been popping up a few different spots. The teaser is a roller coaster in its own right. Michael, night out, dance, walking on the street, pool party, shirts being ripped off, and then morning after cutaway, head over a toilet at the club, dancing, yeah, having fun, but then cutaways to Mia McKenna Bruce crying several times. Intense.
1: S- who somebody uh, was it was a jordan peel i think the only difference between horror and comedy is the score <laughs> like if you put a laugh track or something behind this or not a laugh track per se but like a different type of score an
0: uplifting score this is i mean what we're getting from this teaser is pretty much just a night out in your 20s night out in your 20s and you're right the music could take this either way we got the club right. and music but if the uh if the s- score of hereditary to reference right. a twenty-four film, which was nails on a chalkboard terrifying. If that was tracking this, it would be a totally different. Uh, right,
1: and so I got like because of the score and the the seriousness and the looks of the the, the women here, I got like, is this going to be about like sexual abuse and assault Fair or enough. like? That's kind of the vibe I got from this though. Even I mean, this is a very very short teaser. This is like thirty seconds worth of information
0: with no dialogue. The can reception was hugely positive. A lot of female critics who watched the film had fists in the air afterwards. So, Mubi may have may have a hit on their hands. This is a good oh, good, a good teaser. Thing. Yeah. Speaking of good teasers, Michael, I love this movie teaser for Fallen Leaves. Why? <laughs> I'll tell you why. It All comes right. out. It comes out in uh, late November. I, I believe uh, Limited. It just played at the New York Film Festival. It's the Finnish selection for Best International Feature. The plot premise reads like the before trilogy two lonely people who meet each other by chance in, in the Helsinki night and try to find their the first love of their lives. You know, the before trilogy, the Ethan Hawke, Julie Dupli, Linklater trilogy, has been the comparison point for this Aki Korosmaki uh, film. He's the writer director here. And yes, Fallen Leaves starts off like a Seinfeld parody movie of an international feature. (laughs) Two guys in a boring bar, odd editing, characters breaking the fourth wall, winking at the camera. And then it just levels me with that joke, that belly laugh. I think you laughed at the same point during the trailer, right? I don't want to spoil the joke for people, but that got me. And then... You know, it's a fun trailer the rest of the way, where you're kind of rooting for this odd romantic couple, middle aged couple, our age couple. No, they're middle aged, right? They're older than us, or they're our age. Oh, well, the We're line old. between those two things, yeah, is <laughs> fading
1: rapidly. I don't. I didn't get like this. Maybe it's a me thing, and I got to watch more international films. and And comedy is is the hardest thing to translate to cross over to
0: my American sensibilities. I didn't think this was funny. What was this is no. so just you're gonna make me explain a joke. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna withhold the joke. It, it was funny right. to me, so maybe people will like it or not. I don't know. So, I heard you laughing watching this trailer, or you were laughing. Because I was like,
1: what the hell am I looking at? Like,
0: okay, so you're a bad guy. A, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was the the one the one thing. I don't know if this is the joke you're referring to, but like, I didn't know her name. Yes, that was the joke. Yeah. No, what's funny about that? I mean, that's that's ridiculous as I a th- concept. I
0: wanted to marry her. No, he said, I almost got married. I almost got married. I just didn't know her name. And he's like, I didn't know her name. But no, <laughs> well, yeah, no. there's another part of but that it. But he doesn't show. look we like
1: he's them. being sarcastic and playful. It looks like he's a depressed old man.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so to me, it's like, oh, I almost got married. <laughs> uh, it's like, it's sad. You're making me
0: sad. It uh, it, it is sad, but it's... But but pull yourself together, Tony. One hundred percent on thirty-eight Rotten Tomato reviews, seventy-nine Metascore. Fifty-two critics have weighed in, so this is this is beloved right now by the critical community. Fawn leaves, so I have high hopes. I did not see. I, I
1: didn't get to this next trailer. I didn't see that you added in here, so I missed it. But I'm interested in it. Monster, in monster.
0: Yeah, a can film festival hit and a, an awards magnet over there in the south of France, from Hirokazu Koryeda of Shoplifters and Broker. This won the Queer Palm and Best Screenplay uh, for Yuji Sakamoto's script there. Uh, All right, this was a much more comprehensive trailer than what you and I saw at the Cannes Film Festival teaser there. So this is a kid acting out at school, this is basically showing us where this plot is going and really tipping its hand that this kid has uh, a very complex character to show us. And it's a nightmarish setup because this teacher is, you know, I work with kids, so this is a nightmarish thing for me. The teacher is accused of, you know, hitting the student, but it, they show the scene. And the the teachers trying to restrain a fight, and he bonks heads with the student, which is a disaster. So it's a male teacher, male teacher, and it's an it looks like an accident clearly. Uh, all right. And at the you know they show the kid you know leering over other characters. Is he bullying those kids? It seems so, but there's the question that goes out at the end of the trailer is who is the monster? Who is the monster? It's a chant. It's like this game the kids are playing. So it's very clearly... Are we
1: getting to a point in cinema where we're okay just blaming kids for things? No, I I think the trailer's... We're turning the eye of being like, you know, kids can be evil.
0: The trailer's very clear that this is not the kid's fault. Okay. And it's not the teacher's fault.
1: So who, who, who are we asking who the monster is between? The teacher and who?
0: I think somebody else is abusing the kid. Okay. All right. But I don't know what's going on there. Then I retract my bad joke. It's a uh, it's a decent joke, but you just didn't know the the, the depth of sadness behind the true story. <laughs> I should have known though with Karina Okay. All right, the old oak. Uh, you got any bad jokes for this? Because this is going to be. I old have two. three. as a Okay. Of fact, yes. <laughs> Great. All right. All right. You know, but yeah. I wrote
1: those down.
0: You wrote those down. All right. And you, you watch this trailer. So this is Can. I Lynch, did watch this trailer. I yes. Daniel Blake. Another Can Film Festival. Uh, you know, I won't want to say hit for this one, but it was received positively. 65 Meta score, 29 critics, 75% on 36 reviews. It's in theaters now in Europe. I think it'll come here relatively soon. I love this trailer. Refugees enter a small British town on hard times... It looks like this Old Oak pub is closing, but the owner of the pub is a sweetheart. He's an advocate for helping the refugees, despite a lot of the xenophobia going around in the town with his own patrons, in fact. You know, he has this big speech at the end of it, Michael. It's not charity, it's solidarity. Nice sentiments here, a nice bond forming between him and one of the refugee women who's a photographer he shows her the photo history on the walls of his pub or at least in like one of the storage areas you know there's one quote on one of the plaques there from the bar owner's mother if you eat together you stick together and they apply that to the plot of the film and how they want to bring the community together. I thought it was beautiful sentiments here. So, enter your dirty jokes. or your Well, they're not j- dirty, okay.
1: and I agree with you. I think there are beautiful sentiments, and you get the bar owner kind of fighting the, the jerks who are judging these refugees or being racist or sexist, yeah. and like, it's
0: you know, it's so branches of Go ahead. Turning it to my mother here. Sorry, Mom. But she does this to me all the time. Like, she dares me to joke about something <laughs> that's very serious. Well, then,
1: on behalf of my relationship with your mother, let me disappoint her here. Uh, this is <laughs> Banshee's of Innis Shearan if Brennan Gleeson weren't a prick and minorities were allowed to be on the cast. Okay, all right. That's still... <laughs> it's, it's the Royal Hotel if Julia Garner were played instead by Albert Finney. Oh, God.
0: Brian we, we haven't seen the Royal Hotel. We might be stepping in it there. The Royal Hilltel yeah, might be deathly serious.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it is deathly serious, but it's still Julia Garner and another woman having to fend for themselves. But imagine instead I mean, like the whole uh-huh. point of that is that men lurking on women who have to stick up for themselves. And instead, if you replace Julia Garner with Albert Finney, I, th- I mean, this is exactly like if Julia Garner were taking on the patrons of this bar in this movie for the the old oak, it'd be one type, type of story. But the fact that it is this big, burly dude doing it, it puts a different spin on it. It puts a totally different context into what you're seeing. And your last that's joke, I mean
0: which that. I completely stepped on, was yeah.
1: just Brian Dennehy. Just Brian Dennehy. <laughs> <laughs> just, it, it's branches of Innishir, and if Brennan Gleeson weren't a prick and minorities were allowed in the cast, and it's the Royal because... Hotel. If Julia Garner
0: were played instead by Albert Finney. Brian body, Dennehy. The, the body types of Albert Finney and Brian Dennehy are similar. Okay. Yeah. And Brendan Gleason, I would argue. Yeah. Could I have ruined that segment more for you? I don't know. Brian so. Dennehy. <laughs> Leo, speaking of jokes that don't work, <laughs> Netflix has animated an Adam Sandler film, A 74-Year-Old Lizard. I'm not reading this cock-a-shit premise again. <laughs> All these great boys. That shit is, a big, is, is in the running for Phrase of the Year by you. You enjoy that. I, that's yeah. not my phrase. I've stolen it from something. Fair uh, enough. The setup for this trailer is absolutely terrifying. And then the close of the trailer is even more horrifying. Because this lizard has human intelligence with full language skills that he reveals to the kids. Yes. It's a classroom
1: pet who's up for adoption and he thinks he's seventy four year old lizard, and he thinks maybe this
0: is my chance to actually be taken home and find a forever home with one of these kids. Well, here's my point about various pets. If they were truly sentient beings with high level intelligence, they would be completely and utterly insane by the <laughs> by after one year of their quote unquote imprisonment. Which is why they're not. They, they, you, you're. Like, you, we would be all evil jailers as
1: yeah, pet Well, I mean, if we don't lizards. know they're sentient, though, how are we supposed to know? This is the they're, first time they're talking. They're
0: not. They're, they're bugs. <laughs> Their brains are the size of bugs, slightly bigger. Okay. But after watching this, did you Google the average lifespan of a lizard? It's did long. this pull at your heartstrings in any way? Yeah, it's a long lifespan. I had a bearded dragon, and I had iguanas growing up, and we were great. with The iguanas would... Would roam around and move around the house and whatnot. It wasn't like a just in the cage. Am just reptiles running around your house? It was traumatizing when <laughs> my brother stepped on the tail and the, the tail fell off. Of two of the iguanas. I remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would say that's traumatizing.
0: Anyway, nothing about this Adam Sandler trailer was, was very funny. I mean, I'd say maybe like 20% could be funny, which is yeah, typical. Yeah. I got more emotionally invested than you did. Oh my God, yeah. Because that iguana, that, that lizard's going to
1: die. <laughs> so and you, I know it's going to die.
0: <laughs> so you need him to have, to live some God, life before. Yeah, I need a little bit of a happy ending before he goes. You need the best exotic Marigold Hotel, <laughs> but animated with Adam yes. Sandler voicing a lizard. Correct. Okay. I just want to be clear. <laughs> Where we're at in this episode. Oh my God, we got through all these trailers. I, I, it just This was a blur of awkward Well, let's humor. talk
1: about some movies that you just watched that uh, are nothing but body horror and gross, and I'm proud of you for having sat through.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I deserve that compliment because you pressured me into doing the second one. I knowingly went into this first one when evil lurks which i saw last night like i said this is pandemic influenced argentinian horror clearly because you have this demonic possession in a rural town plot and there are all these wives tales floating around about amongst the population about that there's like giving out all these rules to follow and how to escape it so it seems like you know, the early stages of the pandemic where nobody knew how it was spreading and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So there's all these parallels to the quote-unquote coronavirus and how this demonic possession spreads. And it ultimately becomes like the smaller-scale crazies, but the rules eventually boiled down more to, like, the evil dead. You remember that Denzel Washington movie, Fallen? Yes the rules are more similar to that. But if you come into contact with the quote unquote rotten host and you, you can, you can become infected and therefore manipulated by this demon. Now this movie is just a set of disturbing scenes where no character is safe. And quite Mm -hmm. frankly, a lot of these scenes involved young people and kids. Oh Mm -hmm. God. Trigger warnings abound there. So, like, some people are going to disqualify When Evil Lurks just based on that, Michael. Right. And, but a lot of people have compared When Evil Lurks to Speak No Evil. And I could see that to an extent, even though the, the pacing and the structures are totally different. Like, this is a pandemic monster movie, you know, a demon movie, or a more like a, paced like a, a European zombie movie, I would say. And it's certainly not paced as fast as a korean or chinese zombie movie that we've seen in recent years like train to busan or the sadness you you saw, right. you saw the sadness on Shudder yeah. last year those are disgusting and super yep. high-paced by the way so it's not that it's like somewhere in between but this is like from start to finish you're in it you got these two brothers who are these uh argentinian farmers in this very small town they're in it from the jump and you're just you're Coming into contact with this demon from start to finish, and it's and it, 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 he swoops in and out, and these these collisions between pro- protagonists and antagonism is spaced out, but Jesus, when it, it happens, ooh, this is this is rough, and this is soul crushing, ruthless, vicious, oh, brutal scenes, brutal like Josh Brolin and Dune, brutal. What do you give it for a grade? I don't know. That's I don't know what to grade it. I need you to watch this and tell me what to grade it. Because right. you, there's no discussion of best horror films of the year without When Evil Lurks, in my opinion. So this is very well done, clearly. It's disgusting. And it takes its gross-ass time. And yet the ending, I'm not in love with it. But there's some twists in the ending that make it even more horrifying. The brother characters are vexing protagonists because they're in over their heads. And yet the mistakes they make are kind of justified because they're savvy in some ways, but they're very dimensional in others. So it's like, you know, regular people who don't have their shit together having to deal with a monster story like this. So it's kind of realistic in a way with with all their baggage that these characters have. It's realistic that they react in imperfect ways I would say. So this movie is well done, well executed to an extent. It's going to be on Shutter on October 27th. I got yeah, that's probably when I'm going to get to it, rewatch it I think. I don't I like... am interested in getting to it though. Yeah, it's oof. Well, how how big is your oof for that compared to the oof for Saw X? I want to know why you made me do this. Like I need to know. <laughs> like cuz cuz here's the thing. Like I watched People Dead Rise in theaters. Yep. You basically broke my balls until I finally watched Hellraiser. You also broke my balls until I went to Crimes of the Future. Speak No Evil, after you said it was a nightmare, I watched it, and I thought that made me tough. Okay. (laughs) But... I don't think I don't think you think I'm tough as a horror movie watcher. No, it has nothing to do with any of that. As a matter of
1: fact, I wanted you to see Saw X because I just wanted your opinion. Because to me, the, the review I gave it, mm-hmm. it was just—it's like it's a saw. I don't understand the critical
0: love fest for it. No, I like don't. what am I missing, Mike? I've even I've even watched Lyle Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> in the, you, you know, I've I've seen that. Right. So I'm willing to go in for these terrifying, disgusting, horrifying films. <laughs> right. Like, I feel like you're still taking vengeance upon me over Downton Abbey, A New Era. No,
1: it's to, it has
0: nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> because Saw X is just, I hated watching this film. Hated it. And, and in a f- pure fit of ego and pride, where I was proud of myself for getting through it, I got home and I texted you, you know what? I agree. I think it's like a B minus. But then I thought about the movie. And I'm not going to spoil it. But this movie is, talk about a cock of shit. <laughs> Makes no sense. And it's morally bankrupt, which you told me it was. Yes. It's morally bankrupt. It's The, the warped morality being espoused here or being projected <laughs> from the jigsaw people. Is, I can't i don't
1: know if you could tell the difference in my voice I'm literally sitting back in my chair I'm about two feet away from my microphone right now just letting you go <laughs>
0: <laughs> this movie's 80 percent fresh on the on the tomato meter on 137 critical reviews so 80% of 137 is a lot I can't do that math that's a lot this is a yeah. 60 meta score which is better than the old oak or no it's close slightly below. <laughs> this is not an enriching aesthetic artistic experience this story falls apart in act three the protagonist is a piece of shit who (laughs) deserves to die and and they knowingly allow for collateral damage in this that is just like heinous and unforgivable so what are all these lunatics on Rotten Tomatoes doing? I think they're ultimately grading Saw X on a curve for the other Saw movies. Like this movie has like a like an artistic pulse. Yeah, you're probably right.
1: I mean, I, I that was my review. That like this is to me was just a Saw movie because Saw is about John Kramer or whoever, Amanda, whatever. Getting people who have done bad in their lives off camera to appreciate their life by these twisted, sick and twisted games. So there are no good people in Saw. So, like, the idea that, like... I get that. The idea that John Kramer is the quote-unquote protagonist in this one, like, yeah, it's messed up and it's morally bankrupt, but it's no different than any other Saw
0: movie. But you could play the music from Patton (laughs) during the end of this film by how much they're (laughs) championing what happens. They think, the writing of this movie, they think that there's some justice here. This is an anti-hero of some some moral code. Right? Yeah. Or am I crazy?
1: No, I... I...
0: There's some glorification happening here. But there kind of also has to be because the
1: victims in this have to be so morally reprehensible, which they are. But I don't know. Is there, I mean, at a certain point, there's no difference between somebody scamming cancer patients and somebody murdering
0: people. Like, you know, you have at, at some to, point they're all just bags of shit. You have to rationalize the fact that we've done 10, 10 of these movies where the, the the selling point for nine of them really, well, maybe all 10 is these games of death. And we want traps. Watch. Yeah, we want to watch exactly. these traps. Exactly. We're all it's pieces the same. of shit.
1: The Saw the Saw franchise I have the same take on as I do any Jason Statham starring movie. Like at what can we just all agree that we don't give a shit about plot? Can we just do away with plot and just have Jason Statham kicking people in the face, and just have Jigsaw making crazy contraptions for an hour and a half, and then we can all leave the theater and say, "Man, that gave me exactly what I needed to get through the rest of this day."
0: Yeah, no, we're we're Roman <laughs> gladiatorial. Uh, you, the, we're sitting in the fan section of the right. of the gladiator fights. That's all we're doing. Good. No, we're all pieces of shit. Yeah. Which is fine. (laughs) Sometimes that's (laughs) what the
1: movies do. (laughs) So how does the critical community say, I don't get it. I do not understand that. I have never understood it. I didn't understand it as they were coming in and I hadn't seen it. I didn't understand it as I was watching it. I didn't understand it after I had digested it. I don't understand it now with you having seen it.
0: There, there's been nine films where the critical community has been on the right side of history <laughs> with these things. Ugh. I think the pandemic just made everyone fucking go nuts. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Speaking of pandemic made or influenced horror films, you've watched. Run Rabbit Run on Netflix, which is definitely a movie about isolation, right? I mean, yeah, Rachel Snook, good performance. Sarah, Sarah Snook, Sarah, Sarah Snook, Snook. Sorry, yeah, Sarah Snook. It's still
1: jarring to see her use her homeland accent as Australian, knowing her as Siv the entire, or whatever her Ship, name was, yeah. yeah, 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 Ship, Ship, yeah. Roy. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi. It's a C movie. I mean, Australian horror movies are always such slow burns, yeah, and this one's no different. Um, Hmm. it's an okay story, nothing groundbreaking, there's some laughably bad makeup and injury effects in this, I thought, and the ending
0: is truly infuriating. It's too ambitious. It it really shot its shot, but,
1: yeah, it It should have ended 15 minutes before it did, Mm -hmm. but also, like, what, too ambitious is probably the exact right way of, like, what this movie was trying to do, Mm mm-hmm. Okay, and this happens all the time with me reviewing horror movies. Like, the idea of what was happening was far better than the execution of what actually happened.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if that's going to be a review for the next film here on Paramount Plus, correct? Pet Cemetery yeah. Bloodlines? It's not, and I'll tell you why it's not, because this movie was so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> just sucked from start to
1: finish. Oh, I gave this a D. Ugh. Bad, just bad. Bad acting, bad story, bad effects. Bad editing, the kind of story about a town rallying together at the end. Except the town is like five people, one of which is David Duchovny. Bad town,
0: bad, bad. Don't watch that movie. Don't watch Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. All right, I'm yeah. not gonna, I'm not gonna have trouble staying away from that one. Did anybody <laughs> at least have the "Don't go down that road" uh, <laughs> voice?
1: You know what Pet Cemetery has done, even in Bloodlines, that has kept up with every Pet Cemetery movie? They have the quietest 18-wheelers on a completely empty road in the history of cinema. <laughs> you do not hear these trucks until they are right next to you, yeah. about to, or have, smashed a loved one.
0: That's scary. I'm not going to lie. That is scary. But uh, that rawdy, I don't kind of... I can't I gotta stop. <laughs> Uh,
1: I you should do a whole. You should do the scaries in that accent.
0: In that accent. <laughs> Finally, you started watching some uh, some Beckham.
1: Yes, I've, I've watched a couple TV series. I started the Beckham uh, mini which is mm-hmm. great. Good, like really good. I have no interest in David Beckham as a, as I don't know anything about him. I've never been interested in his career or his life. I, I know he's married to Posh Spite but like this is like really captivating television of you getting to know him and his story and his trials and tribulations as an athlete and what it means to be famous and, like, the type of guy he's been. And they, they talked to Victoria Beckham throughout this whole thing. Good. They talked to the uh, former coach of, uh, of, of Man Manu. Like, there's, they get everyone for this from his life.
0: It's like a really, really well-done documentary series. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to finish it. I'm thrilled to hear that because I've been yeah. a little bummed out. Like, Swamp Kings, I didn't love from the Untold series. It didn't finish very well. And, uh, yeah, I didn't like the, Bra- I couldn't stick with the Brady series. The Jeter mm-hmm. series was okay. So since the last dance, there hasn't been a great sports documentary. That's not welcome to Wrexham, you know? Yeah. So yeah, welcome to Wrexham point, yeah. has, has been pretty great. Uh, so. No, I think he would like this right. as, 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 a competitive person yourself. Like it's,
1: it's really, really good. And he is not at all the type of person that at least not that I thought he would be. Wow. All right, like he's very humble news. and, like, down and, like, reserved and, like, I thought he would be, like, more flamboyant and, like, bombastic. He's, he's not that guy at all.
0: So I tell you what, Netflix has been pretty good with the docuseries overall, though. Uh, the Dep v. Heard one was solid and it was confusing because I didn't pay attention to that at all. I know that's a quagmire of a situation, but at least the documentary series seemed to present it that way. At the end, by the end of it, they were definitely on one side more than the other at the beginning. Okay. But by the end, they were kind of like, this is a shit show. Yeah. Which is, uh, I think, where we land. Appropriate. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I also, as far as uh, just TV, just I don't think I brought this up. I did watch the fir- the two seasons of The After Party that are on Apple TV.
0: Yeah. I you've been talking
1: f- to me about this. The first one is superior to the second one. Okay. Um, as far as storyline goes. But you should watch both of them first one for the story and the mystery because it's a really cool whodunit and you get it from all different angles like that the second one Mm -hmm. man i know we're biased here because he was nice enough to give us part of his (laughs) time but like watch for paul walter hauser he's outstanding (laughs) he is such a good actor (laughs) he plays this like doofy like smarmy fedora wearing type character who's but he's he's just so funny in every scene he's really really good
0: (laughs) good (laughs) I'm glad. Uh, th- the last thing I remember him being really funny in was that uh, episode of "I Think You Should Leave." Yes, something, yes, Tommy Taco or something. <laughs> yes, <I forget>. yes. <laughs> very funny. All right, so those are our reviews. I did want to just mention, I, I, you know, to follow up on the last episode. I'm going to tease this for our sixth annual Scaries because we are catching up on a lot of horror properties from this year. You know, I, I wrote out the best or at least the most notable horror films of the last seven years for each of us. Right. And this mm-hmm. year, Scream 6, Evil Dead Rise, Talk to Me, Megan, When Evil Lurks and the menu, which is technically eligible for us. Okay. Uh, that, that's going to be some of the heavy hitters in this year's. But last year, I mean, last year we had an epic year. Speak No Evil, The Black Phone, Barbarian, Nope, Smile, Scream and Pray. That was a huge year. 2019, we had Dr. Sleep, The Lighthouse, Midsommar, Us, Ready or Not, One Cut of the Dead. 2018, we had Hereditary, Halloween, Suspiria, A Quiet Place, Unseen, Annihilation. 2017, Get Out, It, Mother, Split, Raw, Gerald's Game. These are some big years, Michael. We're going to rank the years of our podcast, I I would say. I yeah. think we agreed on that in the pre-show pre today. We're going to rank the years of the last six or seven. We'll do the devil's number, and we'll do God's number, perhaps. <laughs> or Why is seven God's number? I don't know. It just is. It's just That's the holy number, and six is the devil's
1: number. Did God come up with that after Mickey Mantle?
0: Or was he just a big Mickey Mantle fan? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. As a fellow Yankee fan, I will allow that question, counselor. (laughs) That's how court works.
1: Yes. <laughs> Guys, that is what is on the horizon for us. But as always, what matters to us most, dear listener, are your thoughts. Uh, if you have anything you want us to cover in the scaries as well, please do send those along as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions of concerns you have about not only what we talked about in this episode, but anything having to do that we've covered here in the MMO Empire. As always, you can leave us those on our social media as we are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear Here at podcast and if you're listening to us on either the apple podcast or spotify app if you appreciate what we do here if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review those help us out immensely thank you to everyone who has done so thus far uh michael uh, we've talked about this i'm going to be uh leaving for about a week or so you have some guests on the horizon tell the good people what's coming next let's have some words of wisdom to end on
0: yeah i'm going to do a box office special with a a pair of guests that on this new podcast the bo boys that I, i really enjoy listening to and uh pat and clayton are good dudes and I I, we've we've been on a podcast with uh, Pat Stango before we've had a blast Mm -hmm. on the show me the money and I I hope I'm not jinxing it now. So I'll, I'll give that reverse jinx, but uh, a lot of stuff to talk about in the box office world. So a a a fall box office special coming off of the heels of this Taylor Swift number, whatever that's going to be heading into killers of the flower moon. I want to ask them a lot of questions about what they think the Oscar contender box office, you know, recent history and, you know future projections uh, you know what the state of the oscar contender box office could be so that's going to be a a big episode that i do with you away otherwise i'm going to wrap up the new york film festival i think i don't know if i got a guest on or if that'll be like a half hour solo show um you know in the process of trying to pull that together it's just my schedule's crazy so if i can figure out the times when i'm available then i can maybe ask somebody to come into the New York Film Festival world. The weird little world that I have of food slash movie reviews, but I'm going to see Maestro in May, December. <laughs> so finish that up. And I'd love to get a guest to talk about some movies that I haven't seen and I've missed, like Priscilla and Saltburn, etc. But, Michael, words of wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not going to say bet responsibly. I'm just not going to say that. <laughs> I'm just going to be like the spouse in a uh, war movie right now and just say come back to me (laughs) (laughs) just just come just whatever you do just come back to me that now davis just win baby (laughs) no no i mean i'm just i don't want to get in your head either way just 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 come back dude just just make it back we'll see no promises guys
1: when reality sucks you can promise nothing with us we are Mike Mike and Oscar trying to make awards season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see ya